You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I am joined by my co-host tonight, Tony, and we're talking about the Yukon Quest 550, the Yukon Quest 300, and the Yukon Quest 80, all happening starting tomorrow. This is our race preview of those races and this is our first race that we've been talking about for dang near a year now. It's the first race in this (laughs) new modified Yukon Quest uh, debacle that's been going on between the two countries. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So what do you think, Tony? This is usually a much different race than it has been this year. Isn't that right? Yeah, we've got um, two weeks worth of Quest, and it's not because the trail is going to be long and hard. It's because two boards couldn't get along to make one big race like always. Um, this isn't the first year that we've had a split quest. They had to do it because of COVID. They couldn't get the border restrictions lifted for the race, understandably. So we're, we're seeing this new normal coming out of COVID, but we can't really blame COVID for this one. Um, I think that makes it a nice little fairy tale story, but this is basically uh, two boards not coming together as one. And, uh, and finding a common ground. You've got too many ideas on how to move the quest forward into the future. And uh, so this is what we get. We get a divorce and the kids basically are bouncing between two homes. Yes. So we have a lot to cover here with three races and we're going to spend most of our time on the first two, the, the 550 and the 300, because those are both qualifiers and or the big boy races, if you will, whereas they're calling the Yukon Quest 80 more of a fun run. So let's talk about, uh, before we talk about trail and any stories and um, purses and all that, let's talk about the mushers in the 550. When I saw the draw this afternoon, not a lot of names on there. What is it? Just nine names, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, we kind of knew that that was going to happen. We've been watching the roster all year um, from the time, well, not all year, but from the time that they opened it up. Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into that. The Quest has always been a smaller roster. We're also seeing a smaller roster in the Iditarod. It's very expensive to run these races, whereas something like the Willow 
or the Knick, you know, other than the Cusco 300, which at least that purse pays out really well all the way down to where you can at least get your expenses covered or mostly covered. That's not the case with either the Quest or the Iditarod. And so when you're looking at these rosters being small, you have to also take into consideration that dog food has jumped up exponentially. Um, and by dog food, I don't just mean the kibble, which is going up tens of dollars every other week, it feels like. But you're also talking about the fats that they take on, the chicken skins, the beef, the whatever, the fish. That's also gone up exponentially. Um, then you have to talk about gas and training and all of that as well. And so it's very difficult, I think, for a lot of these teams to come to the bigger races this year, just with all of the other, the financial uncertainty. Um, so I think for what we've seen with the quest and what we're seeing with Iditarod this year, seeing a, a roster under 10 is sad in some ways, but not unexpected when you consider that Iditarod has only 34 names on it this year. And I think, I think that's more to do with, the financial uncertainty than it is necessarily because people aren't happy with how the boards are playing or not playing well with each other or, or what have you. I think that might be a little bit of it, but for the most part, I think it has more to do with finances. Yeah. So let's run down. And that's a great commentary there. And as a dog musher, I, I am nodding my head when you talk about the price of, of food in particular, <laughs> Uh, the kibble and the meat. And and just a quick side note, uh, we have realistically one feed store here in South Central Alaska, and we went to go pick up meat today. And guess what? Their truck broke down <laughs> somewhere in yep. between here and there, and we have no meat available right in time for Iditarod drop bags and all that. So Gosh. luckily, we have three huge chest freezers that we keep our meat in. So we, luckily we have two that are still full, but we go through about a freezer every 10 days or so. So we don't want our stocks to get too low. But anyway, let's get back to the quest 550. <laughs> Tell us who's on that, uh, that uh, first race, the 550, since it's only nine, we can talk a little bit about them. Sure. So let's just go down the list of starting order. They did draw the bib numbers last night at the uh, meet and greet musher dinner all rolled into one thing that they had last night. Brent Sapp will be first out of the shoot. Brent of course is a multi-time um, Yukon quest champion and the reigning Iditarod champion. So he is well versed in how to run this race, even though the trail is a bit different than what he's used to. Uh, I think we can just say that Brent's probably the most veteran on this list today. Uh, number two is Dark Horse Sled Dogs Musher Riley Dyche. Bib number three is Wade Mars coming back uh, to Alaska after having moved outside to be closer to family uh, and to run and train down there. He's coming back for both the Quest and Iditarod. Number four, you've got Cody Strath of Squid Acres. Number five is Nick Petit. I believe this is his first. Yukon Quest. I could be wrong, but I do think he's a rookie in this race. Uh, and he was kind of a late entry to this. So it's, it's kind of nice to see some new blood in the Quest mix. 
Uh, number six, oh, you're going to make me try and say his name. It's Deke Nactaborn. I'm probably saying that wrong, and I should pay more attention when Greg Heister says it on Insider. Um, uh, he's been in the quest a couple of times, at least. Number seven is Amanda Otto, running out of Husky Homestead, owned by Jeff King. She's running uh, his dogs again, doing very well. She was supposed to be at the Copper Basin. We didn't get to see them because uh, she was the team that hit that caribou on the way down uh, that we talked about in that uh, race preview. Number eight is Shani Traska uh, from Howling Ridge Kennels. And then number nine is going to be Laro Eklund of, I believe their kennel is Skookum Expeditions. That might just be their tour name, but if they have a different kennel name, I don't know it. Has every one of these guys ran Iditarod before? Um, let me see. I... I'm not sure about Laro, but everybody else has run Iditarod. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- that was the one that I wasn't sure on either. And and if mm-hmm. our fans know, let us know in the comments or on social. So let's talk about the trail a little bit. Uh, in one of our previous shows, we mentioned how they're really going to change up the trail for this race. They're going to go... Uh, up and back through North Pole, back down to Ninana, then back up to Fairbanks. And we talked about it being mostly on the road system. And they talked about that in early January. And it looks like that's the case, according to their website and uh, their eventual uh, track leader deal. So what do you think about the trail? And I know you want to talk a little bit about uh, the trackers and how it may upset fans <laughs> a little bit, like it did with the Willow 300. Yeah, so um, I'm looking, I just refreshed their website. Um, Their website's pretty new. Um, Everything about this race is pretty new since it's a new board, new everything. And it looks like they're starting, you know, they're going to be at Two Rivers, Mile 101, which if you're a Quest fan, you know all about Mile 101, Central, Circle, then they're going to return to Central, go back to mile 101, go to two rivers, then they'll hit Nanana and then they'll finish. Nanana, of course, if you're um, at all familiar with the history of sled dogs in Alaska, Nanana is where they picked up the serum from the train and then took the serum run to Nome with the uh, relay of dog teams. And of course, everyone knows Balto. You should know Togo by now, especially if you've listened to Robert's podcast over the years. Um, Or if you have Disney Plus, definitely watch the movie Togo. I cried. It was cathartic. It was beautiful. Um, Fritz, of course, another name from there. Seppala, one of the heroes and Gunner as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting, I think, to have this more accessible uh, for fans, especially those in the interior, because if they don't drive down to the different mid-distance races, they don't really get a whole lot um, out that way. So I think, it, I think it works out as far as the tracker goes. I'm looking at the checkpoints here on their website, but trackleaders.com does not seem to have the checkpoints posted on the map for the race. Now, I'm kind of hoping that once they put the teams on with their little flags on the map tomorrow, that maybe the checkpoints show up too. 
But if not, I know that that was a big problem for fans for the Willow 300. It was totally, in my opinion, um, understandable that they did not have the the checkpoints and the correct map for that since they didn't get their trackers in time. I don't know if that's the case here with the Yukon Quest, um, but it, it does make it a little challenging to know just where all the teams are, especially when they start doing the loops back to the checkpoints because then you really have no clue and the trackers all messed up as to where their mileage is. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And of course, that's the primary way fans are following the races these days is by watching those little blips on the, um, on the tracker screen. So before we talk about the purse, do you have any other quick stories about the 550? You know, the only one that I can think of is going back to the musher meeting from yesterday, and it's really not just about the 550. It's also about the 300. Um, they posted pictures of the mushers signing uh, posters, uh, putting their autograph on everyone. And, and if you go to any of these races, that's one of the things that they do at every musher meeting. They have tables lined up just full of race memorabilia and swag and the mushers go down in a line and just keep signing their name on everything from posters. I've seen shirts and whatnot. They're given out to sponsors. They're sold at merchandise tables. They're kept uh, in the different um, checkpoints. Any, any way that they can say thank you to someone or a business that's helped with the race, you get one. And so um, I had just happened to notice that one of the mushers that I know who's running the 300, Vicki Justice, she was in one of the pictures and she had her, her son in his little backpack and she's signing away. And so I just happened to comment that I, I thought I saw her in the picture and she's like, yes, and I'm signing the wrong posters. So I guess there are different posters for the 550 and the 300 is my that's my assumption with her comment and and it just goes to show that you know everyone just gets tunnel vision and they just keep going down and i thought it was kind of a funny story yeah and maybe those will fetch a pretty penny now that they have there you go they have a a, a, <laughs> a dark horse name on there you also have a, a quick story about jeff king i guess he's going to do some commentary oh, yeah. during the race yeah, I can't believe I forgot about Mr. The King. Uh, yeah, so Jeff is going to be a handler for Amanda Otto. And um, a few, a couple weeks ago, some of us were um, asked if we were interested in possibly giving some analysis or blogging for the race. And I bowed out pretty quickly just because I have so many irons in the fire that um, I would not do it justice, especially when I saw who else they were trying to peg. And when Jeff King said yes, I was like, score, I do not, I no longer feel obligated to say yes. He is much more qualified about the quest than I am. Um, as much as I love mushing, as much as I love doing this analysis and whatnot on the podcast, um, the quest is where I really struggle. I am, I grew up with Iditarod in a time when it was Iditarod versus quest. And so you liked one or the other. You didn't really like both. I think uh, Lance helped bridge that gap a little bit. 
And so I just do not have the authority that I felt that this race needed for analysis, especially since I have no idea about this trail at all. I am not an interior Alaska know-it-all. So, um, but Jeff, I believe, has said yes to doing some analysis. It'll be on the road uh, doing that. So I'm not sure how all they're going to do that, but look for his updates, uh, I believe, through the Yukon Quest website and Facebook page. That will be interesting. Has he ever run the quest? I'm not sure. Uh, he's run it and won it. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. All right. <laughs> there, there seems to be a name or two out there, uh, big names that have never run the quest. And I can't think of mm-hmm. who that is right now. I'm, I'm, t- I'm thinking I did a rod champions. I just can't think who they Mitch are right Stevie, now. Stevie, Robert. Thorley, Pete Kaiser, Yorley, Seth Olson, oh, you, you know them all. that I can think of. Yes. Not yes. all of them. Not all of them. But, you know, I wouldn't be able to go back down. You know, you could say that, well, we know that, like, Carl Huntington, I don't believe, ever did the Yukon Quest. I don't think Dick Wilmarth ever came and did the Yukon Quest. But as far as names that we know, I don't think Martin Boozer ever ran the Quest. I'd have to go back and look. And but. that that's that's <laughs> probably the name I'm thinking of. It, it was it was either a CV or a Boozer or a King. Uh, and yeah. it, it has to be um, it has to be Martin Boozer who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. before we talk about the other two races, let's talk quickly about the purse it's a hundred thousand dollar purse for the 550 and they're going to pay down to the, to the top five spots and remember this is only nine spots and they're going to pay out according to tony and 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 we will cl- clarify this <laughs> on our recap but she thinks it's about 40 percent for the winner so a forty thousand uh, dollar winning check to the winner so that will be quite interesting that's that's a decent purse for for a winner remember last week we talked about the k300 at twenty five thousand dollar purse for first place so tony we're gonna do what we do uh there are nine folks who are your favorites let's do um we're only going to do top three who do you think the top three are or your top three favorites i'm gonna say brent um uh, Cody Strait, and then it's a toss between Deke and Nick. Okay. I'll All go right. with Nick. You know, I, I'm also going to go with Brent and Cody, and I say that because, and we, we talked about this several times when Alex and I used to host, and we used to say that these type of guys, Cody and Brent, this is their type of race. This is their type of mushing, mm-hmm. sort of that wilderness yep. style mushing. It's not that fast track type mushing that some of these guys are used to. But what I'm really interested in to see is how Nick does. Uh, obviously, he has mm-hmm. done very, very well in mid-distance races in the past. And I'm not sure what they are calling a mid-distance race anymore. I wonder if right. a, fi- a 550 is considered mid-distance or is it now a a long-distance race? Because we haven't had a 500-mile-plus race in a while. I remember the Paul Johnson something or other up near Nome was a 450 or a 500 a while back, and then we have the Kobuk 440. I don't think we've had a 500-miler in, in a while up here. So I don't know what they're calling this. So those are my top three, Nick, 
Brent and Cody. I would be interested to see how how they pan out. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk briefly about the other two races. The Yukon Quest 300 is also an Iditarod qualifier. There are a few names on this list that uh, that I am familiar with. You talked about Vicky Justice a minute ago about signing the wrong posters, but who else? There's only nine there as well. Who else is in this uh, 300 miler? Uh, we've got Jeff Reed. We've got Keaton Lobrick. Again, sorry if I mispronounced your name. It's a pet peeve of mine when people say my name wrong, so I get it. Um, Ashley Dove, Samantha Lalonda, uh, Ron Stifler Jr., Isaac Tiford, Jennifer Labar, Matt Hall, and then, of course, Vicky Justice, and I did that in their start order as well. Their bib numbers are 31 through 39. And, and they're going to start right after the 550. They're going to do three-minute intervals, and I believe that they start at, is it 10 or 11 a.m. local time? 11 a.m. Uh, the, the 550 is 11 yep. a.m., yeah. And so they have it right now. They're guessing that it'll be 1,500 hours when they uh, let the first of the 300 go. Okay. So one o'clock. No, three o'clock. Three o'clock. I don't know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, a a very small field again for a qualifying race. And remember, guys, Mm -hmm. we talked about the bear grease and sort of that hubbub in the mushing community about some of these races not having entries like they've had before. I am of the opinion, I know we talked about the 550. That's an entirely different animal. That is a big time race. But I am surprised that there's only nine people on this 300. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think this might actually have more to do with the split than the 550. Um, When we've had the, the glory days of the quest, you'd have the, the quest, the thousand mile, and then you'd have the 300 and the 300 you would have, you know, a really big pool, a bigger roster some years than, than the thousand mile race. And so I think this we're seeing more of that split because the kennels that are in Canada are typically staying in Canada and they're going to run those races over there for that quest and not coming over here to run this quest. There's really no point in doing the 300 here and then in a week doing another 300 for the basically the same name of the Yukon quest is my guess. I'd also, I haven't looked at the purse for um, any of the Yukon Quest Canada, but I'm also looking at the purse for uh, this 300 here, and it says entry fees will be the total for the purse. So it's not a big purse right now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, that's that's a motivator on these types of races. What is interesting, you talked about the, the Canada race and uh, the, the Alaska race happening, happening back-to-back, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in our uh, closing remarks and when we're going to do our recap, recap. But realistically, I guess if you wanted to travel back and forth between the two countries, it would be quite easy for a new uh, musher trying to qualify for uh, Iditarod, for example, to do two 300s back-to-back and knock out those big ones in in, in very short order. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely doable. We saw, I believe it was last year, Brent Fast 
did both the Yukon Quest Alaska and the Yukon Quest Canada, and it was a very similar format. So it's not impossible to do, and, and he did the longer ones. So um, I, I think it, it just really has to do with, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you really want to run back-to-back races that's 600 miles within two weeks um, and your, your team may not be ready for that, especially if you are qualifying, maybe not for this year's Iditarod, but next year's, you really want to wear them out the year before and, and maybe have them be not so gung-ho to run um, if they're just thinking, oh, my God, we're just going to keep running forever. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors at play. I'm not a musher at all, much less a competitive musher. So just even trying to figure out where and when and how and why it, it it's all just i i tip my hat to anyone who who does this full schedule because it's it's impressive i mean you're driving more than you're riding dogs most of the time yeah especially if you're trying to do these two races uh back to back i mean you got to mm-hmm. literally yeah. uh go around the back way into alaska into canada <laughs> yeah. uh all the way down to uh, down to this way then over to toke and then down to um uh, Whitehorse, I guess, is where it's going to start. That's quite the drive mm-hmm. for sure, especially yep. in the middle of winter. So, Tony, there's oh. not a lot of names on this Yukon Quest. I only know two of them uh, by by name, and that's Matt Hall and Vicky Justice. Both of those guys have done Iditarod. Is that right? I'm not sure about Vicky. I'm but putting you on the Matt spot. Has... Yes. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't think she has. I think she's working up to it, but I would have to go back and check with her. Um, but Matt, of course, has run the Iditarod. He won the Yukon Quest, so he he has um, he he knows how to run this. This is he's another one like Cody and Brent. This is his style of mushing. Um, so I expect him to do well here. And then we have Ashley Dove. We saw her in the Kinnick. She's running dogs out of Josh McNeil's kennel, Crooked Creek Kennel. Um, a lot of these names are ones that have run the Yukon Quest 300 in the past. So this is not something that they're unfamiliar with. We're not really looking at a whole lot of rookie teams here. Right. So with with these unknowns, I guess it's unfair really to, to put our top three or top <laughs> four on. But I'm going to go with Matt Hall to take this. And you had mentioned this is, this is his style of mushing. He... he uh, got his mushing chops, if you will, over in the Eagle, Alaska area, which is uh, part of the original Yukon Quest trail. And mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is where he, you know, he, he learned his, his uh, technique. So I think that he will do very well on this style of mushing for sure. Do you have a pick or no? Um, well, it's going to be Matt Hall. And I will say now that you, you brought that up, that was one of the reasons why Matt was originally going to run the 550. But at one of the um, trail changes that they had planned, because they were going to do several loops, I think at one point, he changed from the 550 to the 300 because he's like, it's one thing to have the dogs pass home once or twice three times is asking a whole lot. So, so he moved it down to the 300 where he doesn't have quite so many uh, passes by that turn to go home. 
Yeah, and that's that is a uh, a great little tidbit there. And I remember Allie and Alan talking a lot about that when they used to mm-hmm. uh, be big time in, in these races. And they would say it's very difficult to have your dogs run past home. And as a dog musher, that is real. The dogs know exactly where home is, and they know where mm-hmm. home is within several miles. And and they will definitely pick up the pace and they know the turns and it's an, it's an entirely different <laughs> experience when the dogs know that they're going home. And then when they pass it along and have to go back and do that other loop, uh, it, it can really mess with their head a little bit. So kudos to, to Matt for doing that. And, and uh, we'll see how it pans out. And this race will be a much faster race than the, uh, than mm-hmm. the 550. So let's talk briefly about the Yukon Quest 80. It's considered a fun run, but there are some names that we know. They have been in other races that we've talked about. In particular, Laura Alloway, Emily Rosenblatt, I believe is how you say it, and um, one of the Robinsons, who is the Phenom mm-hmm. this year. Uh, three ladies that uh, that we know a little about. Is that right? Yeah, you know, and you've also got Kathleen Frederick in there. There's some there's some names that if you're a fan of Iditarod, if you're a fan of mushing, if you follow a lot of these kennels um, on social media, you'll recognize several of them. I believe Elkie, uh, who's bib number 10, it looks like. I believe she is the other half of Matt Hall's kennel. Um, so we've got we've got some names, but I think this one, you know, it's a fun run. It's going to be used by a lot of mushers to just kind of get their feet wet, see what they can do. Um, a lot of a lot of these mushers have said this is their first race, but then you do you have Emily Robinson in there, who is just eating up the trail. She it doesn't matter if she's in a junior race or if she's running with the big dogs. She's a force to be reckoned with. She's won the ace. She won the Willow 150 um, and and didn't just win it, but win it by a very big margin. So it's it's exciting to see. I would love to see her um, in action here for the 80 and see what she can do. Laura, she uh, ran Iditarod, just a really sweet person. I, I like talking with her and she just, has just such a positive attitude with her team. A lot of, a lot of great names on here that this one, I don't know that we can pick a favorite other than we're both going to pick Emily because of the season that she's had. Um, But it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one to watch. I, I really do hope that they have trackers. So with their bib numbers being the same numbers as the main race, I'm not sure if that's, uh, the plan or not, but it, it'll be fun to hear what they have to say. And I hope that there are videos and pictures for this race as well as the 300 and the 550. Yeah. And just a quick clarification. Uh, this is the race that starts at three o'clock in the afternoon. So they're going to send out the other okay. two teams uh, starting at 11 at three minute intervals. And they're going to take a little bit of a break, I guess, since there's only 18 teams and then go into this um, uh, 80 miler a little bit later in the afternoon. And this race <laughs> will be over relatively quickly. And I would imagine sometime um, very late on, on Saturday night, early Sunday morning, this race will be over. I have no idea if they have mandatory rest or anything like that. But typically, 
uh, mid-distance and or Iditarod type teams can easily do uh, this type of run in one or possibly two runs. It just really depends on how well their dogs are trained up. But I know uh, folks like the Robinsons or possibly even Laura's team are probably trained up where they could just do this run in one shot. I guess it really just depends on strategy. And we've talked a lot about strategy over the last couple of weeks. So before we talk about our recap, do you have any other stories or other information you want to share? I know this is a longer one, but we're talking about three races here on this preview. Right. You know, I, I don't, I just, uh, as you were talking, I tried to look up the rules for the 80 and I get a little message saying that the rules will be updated shortly. So uh, I'm sure there are rules somewhere. They're just not where we can find them. Um, but no, I, I think people just need to, to come and, and support the race. If you're in the area, go out to the, the start. There's nothing like a dog mushing race start. Uh, the energy of the dogs is contagious, not just to other dogs. It, it also gets humans excited as well. Um, if you can't, I believe there will be someone there to do live streaming. I've not seen anybody promising that. I know some people are hoping Kale Casey will be there. I have not heard that he is planning to be there. You know, but I, I do feel that, you know, there are people on the board of the Yukon Quest Alaska. They do understand that fans want to see the dogs. They want to see the teams. They want to see video. They don't want to just have blogging analysis. So I, I would believe that if you just go over to their Facebook page, it's Yukon Quest Alaska. Click on it. Follow it. Hopefully we'll see um, pictures and uh, video very soon. I believe Whitney McLaren will be the official photographer again. I think I saw her pictures from the vet check. So there will be content. It's just going to be different than than what we're used to from the Quest. Yeah, and I was going to just uh, partner with that. Typically, the Quest does a pretty dang good job on their race coverage, in particular on social media. They've always been very active on Facebook, and I know that they were active for some time on Twitter uh, back in the day. So we will see how it really pans out now that we have pretty much two separate races, two separate boards, and all that. Everybody has their own objectives. So I've always enjoyed following these races online, and it's one that I, I really uh, get into uh, compared to, you know, some of these other smaller races for sure. So let's talk about the recap. They are doing their banquet next Saturday. Is that right? Uh, 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 entire yeah. week later. That's a long that's, time. That's, that's what their Facebook page said when we were talking about this, when we were trying to figure our schedule for the month of February. And we weren't sure when to expect a finisher. We kind of left it up in the air. And then I went to their Facebook page looking for something else. And I messaged you real quick and was like, uh, so they're not expecting to have all of their finishers in until at least Friday, uh, considering they're not even going to have the banquet until Saturday. I don't know if that's truly the reason. It could just be that they want to make sure more people can come. So they're picking a weekend so that they're not having to deal with, um, you know, people's work schedules. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what to expect with this race. I honestly don't. Any other time I'd tell you, you know, at least seven days, but that's with the thousand mile race. And here we are only doing about just over 50% of that. 
And I, I just don't know with this trail what to expect. Yeah, I'm thinking Wednesday we will have a finish uh, just just in terms of typical run rest mm-hmm. uh, racing at, at 500 miles. Sometime Wednesday, I think we will have a winner. But it's going to be interesting to see when we can do our next broadcast. I'm thinking our <laughs> best day is probably Friday of next week. That's probably our best day because everybody will be done. It's the lead up to the banquet. And then we can talk mm-hmm. about it. And then we can turn right around, uh, hit record, <laughs> hit stop, and then turn right around and do the uh, the Canadian side Yukon Quest, which starts, mm-hmm. is that next Saturday as well? Or does it start Sunday or yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it starts the 11th. So that's a Saturday. <laughs> wow. So that that's that's our recording schedule, guys. We're planning on doing, and I haven't clarified with Tony, but just just uh, making <laughs> sure we're going to probably do our recap yep. on Friday. So we'll have a little bit of a breather for these Wham Bam episodes, and then we'll turn right around and do the uh, the three hundred, or excuse me, the Canadian version. And I believe, and it could be the next week, Tony. Is next weekend also the junior Iditarod, or is that the following weekend? Junior Iditarod is towards the end of February. Okay, so uh, we have a little we have, bit. I believe, is the Junior Willow is what you're thinking. Okay, of. so I we believe that's what's next. Yes, we are going to talk about that one. So we may be doing three shows next weekend. <laughs> so stay tuned, guys. If you haven't, hit that subscribe button. We're getting some Patreon supporters coming in. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to make sure that we list those names, at least in the show notes. And just a little bit of a teaser. Tony and I are talking (laughs) about a couple of really interesting projects that we're going to do on our Patreon page. One of them may just be something like a book slash video club. And I think that that's going to be pretty cool. What do you think, Tony? I'm all for it. Um, you know, I did my plug for Togo on Disney Plus earlier, and they don't pay me anything. I pay them. Um, but I I love a good movie. I love a good book. It's hard for me when it comes to animal movies because there's always something that that happens to um, a dog, but there are a few movies that, um, when you asked me to list them, I listed some movies that I knew about, but I've actually never seen. So that would actually get me, um, to actually broaden my horizons of film viewing. Yes. And we're thinking about starting that after I did Rod, So possibly in April, and we're going to talk more about this on our regular show. And another thing we have brewing, this is for folks. I hope that they're still listening here 38 minutes in, <laughs> we we are thinking about doing a March Madness style event during Iditarod with mushing movies and or documentaries. So just think about uh, The Great Alone, the uh, Lance Mackey story up against Togo in, in one of the brackets. <laughs> Who would you pick? That's just me. That is a tough one, isn't it? Or... Let's say Balto against, uh, I don't know, what's another one, Tony? Iron Will or Snow Dogs? 
What do you think? Oh, Who, Iron Will. Iron Will wins everything, <laughs> well, I think, except we, maybe Togo. But but I will say that if we talk about Balto, I have a great story about what I talked about Balto with um, John Van Zyl, John and Donna Van Zyl. Uh, they had some very strong opinions on that movie. And as a Spielberg fan, I now have a completely different feeling about that movie than I did growing up. Okay. So that one would be fun to discuss. Yeah. Do not let the cat out of the bag. We're keeping this close. We're keeping this close to the vest. And on that note, guys, we are going to release our bi-weekly episode. We're going to record it probably on Sunday night. It will air on our typical air date. So along with all these race previews and recaps, we're going to continue on our more in-depth type show next week. So pay attention to that. We're going to talk more about our uh, uh, March Madness and our book slash video club over on our Patreon, as well as any other news notes or stories that have come up that are not necessarily race related. I think we're doing a real good job keeping our content on these races to the topic at hand. So pay attention to that. And if you have not subscribe to our channel, wherever you're listening to this podcast and do us a favor, tell a family friend or loved one about our show and uh, let them know how you listen. And hopefully they can become a rabid listener just like you. Tony, thank you very much. We'll talk to you real soon. Sounds good. All right, on behalf of my co-host, this is Robert for Mushing Radio. See you guys next time. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.